There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast created for women to share their experiences with pregnancy and birth. My name is Cora Gernon and I've created this space to enable women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the detail. If you would like to support the podcast, you can do so through Patreon. I have attached the link on the website. So if you just visit the website, irelandsbirthstories.ie, you can then find the Patreon link there. Thank you to those that have. I'm delighted to say this month the podcast is brought to you by Ergo Baby. So Ergo Baby was launched in 2003 by mother and clothing designer Karen Frost. Living in Maui, she was searching for a baby carrier that would allow her to enjoy her active outdoor lifestyle and daily routine without having to sacrifice precious bonding time. After trying seven different carriers with varying degrees of success, Karen developed her own soft, structured carrier. And since then, the brand has been on a mission to empower families to bond, grow and thrive by creating premium baby products with comfort in mind while never compromising on function and quality. Today, Urger Baby offers a broad range of award-winning baby carriers, including the new Omnibreeze. So the Omnibreeze innovation design means both wearer and baby benefit for maximum airflow and maximum comfort. Its lightweight, soft flex mesh allows both parent and baby to stay cool and dry all day, while padded shoulder straps and lumbar support ensure parents' comfort. And its deep bucket seat and padded neck support mean baby stays comfortable too. Suitable from birth up to 20 kg and ergonomically offering all four carry positions, the Omnibreeze is the only carrier parents will ever need. Like all Ergo Baby carriers, the Omnibreeze is designated hip healthy by the International Hip Dysplasia Institute and comes with the Ergo Promise Lifestyle Guarantee. Head over to ergobaby.ie and use the code IBSER. GO10 to avail of 10% off all carriers and wraps valid from the 17th to the 24th of May 2021. In this week's episode, I chat to Trina and she talks me through her two pregnancies and births. So Trina was 10 days over on her first pregnancy. So she went in to have an induction. Um, they suggest induction at 39 weeks but she put them off for a week and managed to make it to 10 days but then she was brought in for her induction. She opted for an epidural in the end just to help her with um, the labour and birth of her little girl. Herself and her husband decided to try for number two and it took them seven months to get pregnant for a second time. Uh, Trina says that that was down to she was still breastfeeding Quiva um, and she hadn't quite gotten quite gotten used to her her cycle again I suppose after her first pregnancy 
So she talks me through her second experience, which is really cool, actually. So she went into kind of her own space and her own mind and just kind of followed her body unknowns to herself. And she laboured at home and then in the hospital and gave birth naturally to her little boy. So she talks through all of those details and she's she's a very good storyteller, I have to say. So I really enjoyed listening back to her story. So I hope you enjoy this week's episode and I'll also link um, Early Insights, which is a business Trina has just set up. So I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and chat to you soon. So Trina, you're very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. If you wanted to start by giving us a little introduction to you and your lovely family. Um, so I'm Trina and I live just outside Cullen, um with my husband Jason, or Jay, sounds weird to say Jason. Um, and we have two children, so Quiva is four and a half and Luke will be three in June, which is a total shock to me. Um, I'm in denial because most of the time I try to keep them like, like anybody. You're kind of like losing those baby years and once he's three, it's kind of like he goes yeah. fully into little boy territory and I'm just like oh, how is he three um already so it's busy obviously with two kids kind of that close in age and all the stuff that's going on for them at the moment but um yeah at home with them full time um and just trying to keep them all going as you know I started my own business last year doing the workshops for parents with early years insights um and I love doing that but Again, sometimes it goes great and other times it feels frustratingly slow, but the, the kids are my first priority. Like I gave up work as a childcare practitioner to to be at home with them. So I have to remember that while they're small, that's my first my first priority and early years insights is something to kind of have along at the side so that it's ready to go when they're kind of in school full time. Yeah. Um but yeah, they're a full time job, the two of them together. I'll link everything actually on the show notes on the website. Oh, thanks. So Okay, so do you want to chat to us about your first pregnancy? Yes. So Quiva was born in 2016. And like when everybody has stories, like the hottest summer in the world. I remember mm. my mom talking about being pregnant and it being the hottest summer in the world. Um, but we, I think we got married in 2014 and then moved out here in the same month. Um, and obviously we're just kind of going along for a while before we decided that we would uh, try for a baby and I was on the pill for years and years and years um, and of course you have all those stories like when you come off the pill it takes months for your mm. body to go back to normal and the whole lot and I think it was about three months in I got pregnant which was great a, a surprise to me I was kind of like we could be waiting ages um, so we told our families pretty early on because I was I got did the pregnancy test I think it was just a few weeks before Christmas and um Part of me knew that we would tell at least our parents pretty much straight away because people are saying, all right, well, you have to wait. And I went, but if something happens, the first people I'm going to tell are my parents for support. And imagine that conversation that the first they know that I'm pregnant is when I'm telling them I'm not. So we told them fairly early on. But the other thing was it was coming up to Christmas and I knew like there's no way that I would have been able to fob off having a glass of wine with dinner or like for two days straight. They would have known straight away anyway. Um, so we gave them that surprise as part of their Chris on Christmas Day or whatever okay. we told mm-hmm. them. Like, so it was a nice kind of little memory. And of course, everybody was delighted. And 
like it's the first she was the first grandchild on both sides um so total kind of just everybody um just being so delighted and excited and I'm waiting for her my pregnancy was fine um super tired uh, working in childcare obviously you're on your feet all day I remember coming home and I'd usually get home a little bit before Jay and we've an armchair in our bedroom and I'd sit down in the chair which I normally wouldn't do because I like to get out of my like working in childcare you like to kind of get out of uniform and get showered after being with kids all day but I'd sit down in the chair and he'd come home and find me asleep on the chair at like (laughs) six o'clock because I was just I just remember the overwhelming exhaustion um but everything else was fine um I was I I don't think I knew about it at the time but just when I put in all my forms of where I lived I ended up doing the scheme or going up to NACE hospital for all my appointments which was fantastic because I literally practically worked across the road from the hospital so it meant not a lot of time trying to get to hospitals or time off work or anything like that um, I found them brilliant um, up there. I don't think, I think I went to the Coombe once. I think it was the booking appointment in the Coombe. And then after that, I was in NACE. Um, I do remember there was one time, because it was really hot that summer, I remember going for one of the appointments in a NACE. And the <laughs> I had said to them that she, we didn't know it was a girl, but she she wasn't moving as much. Now, in my head, my instincts were, it's really hot. I'm not moving much. It makes sense that the baby wouldn't be moving much. You know, I wasn't panicking. But of course, once you say this out loud, it's you have to go to the coom. Mm. I remember coming out and of course, you're on your I was on my own. Jay didn't come to all the appointments with me. We just he went to work. It was just it wasn't something we did. He came to this the scan one and the booking one. And that was grand. So I came out and I remember thinking, right, this is grand, just a precaution going to the hospital. But they hadn't given me much information. Of course, as soon as you just say it out loud to somebody on the phone, sure, I was inconsolable then. Then drove up to the coom and Jay lagged it from where he worked up to the coom and met me in there. Um, and they did, you know, what they needed to do, monitoring. But of course, everything was fine. Um, they just told me to keep an eye on it and plenty of liquids. But that was the only time I ever had to, I suppose, do anything out of the ordinary. But again, the system just worked really well. They were, you know, attentive. You got what you needed. You got the reassurance. Um, and the only reason I say that is because a couple of people, when I told them I was going to the coom, kind of reacted like that wasn't a good thing. And I'm kind of like, well, you know, everybody has different opinions in hospitals, but I never, I couldn't say anything bad about the coom. Like it, mm. I found the, all the experiences fine. They're under the pump constantly how they negotiate the logistics of having people coming in randomly and working every like it just amazes me how they can facilitate all of that um so you're get I got everything I needed but you you were constantly aware in the background that they were constantly on it like you know on to the next thing on to the next person the next emergency um but I thought you know they were fantastic so and like that'll when I talk about going in for a birth, you'll see it. Now, what happened was, the, and I always love telling this bit of the story because I think it makes people aware that um, you should really kind of educate yourself, not to a deep level, but to know your options and your choices. People kind of laughed at me when I told them I had a birth 
not a plan, more preferences. And I describe it as like, it shouldn't be a linear, this is going to happen, then this, then this. It should be more like a map or a web or a spiral mm. saying, right, well, this is going to happen and I'd like this to happen. But if that can't happen, then we move on to this. And the reason I tell people that they are important is because you can't make one unless you've actually looked up what your options are. Like, you know, you can't say, well, I want this to happen if you don't know what your options are. So the most important part, I think, about making a birth preference to bring into a hospital is that you've educated yourself and you know what your options are. And I was I was about 38 weeks and I was having my checkup in NACE and the midwife said to me, she's like, right, well, you're nearly full term. You haven't seen a consultant because nothing had been wrong. She said, I'm going to keep you today and send you into one of the consultants. I was like, grand, that's good. We need to know what's going to happen here. And I went into the consultant and she did all her checks and we sat back down at the desk and she was writing down and just nonchalantly she goes, right, so I'll book you in for an induction next week. And I kind of looked at her and like, I didn't think about it too much. I just was like, no, no, I wasn't rude. Mm. I wasn't derisive around then. But I remember I like it's as if it was happening now. There was this second where she her head kind of whipped around and she looked at me and I was looking at her. And I don't know who was more shocked me that I had said no mm. to this person who's like, you know, the expert and supposed to know best. Or her, because clearly she doesn't hear that very often from a patient. And we both took a beat and we were both standing there look, sitting there looking at each other in shock. And I was just like, is there something wrong? Knowing that we had just had checks and she was like, this is fine. All that's fine. And she was like, well, no, but, you know, you're nearly 39 weeks pregnant. And I was like, but is there a reason why we should try and like, you know, tell me why I should do the induction. Because as far as I knew at the time, you know, obviously they have to happen. If you're overdue, I get that. You can't, you know, keep waiting forever. Um, or if there was a medical reason that it was important for the baby to be born sooner rather than later. And she just, she had no reason to give me why she wanted to induce me, just that that was, she thought that, I honestly don't know whether she thought maybe that's what, women want to go in and get it over and done with or it would just make everything flow better if I had a date in which I could go in and I I honestly don't know we were both shocked but I was so glad that I had said it because she said right well we'll leave you go then and I was like well I'm pretty sure that's my decision not yours and um she's like you know we'd be back in two weeks you go to your doctor next week be back in two weeks and I was like grand and of course I was back in two weeks and I was like, I'm not going to be able to fight my corner this time, like, you know, in 40 weeks. But or was it was it nearly 41 weeks? But anyway, next time I saw her, she was like, right, well, you know, you're overdue now. And I was like, yes, um, I was well overdue. And she it was a Thursday and she wanted to book me in on the Friday. So it went I would have been um, I would have been nine or 10 days overdue then. And I was like, right, that's fair enough. But she rang the coom there and then to book me in for the Friday morning. But they were so busy. They were like, we can't take her. You're going to have to book her in for Saturday. And she was like, right, well, booked me in for Saturday. And I was actually so glad then because we had never been to the coom except yeah, for that one time. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and when we went in, I couldn't believe how quiet it was because there was no classes, no extra stuff on, you know, all the the Monday to Friday stuff all wasn't on. So the hospital was actually really quiet. So went in on the Saturday morning and uh, the whole process was explained to me. So this time I was 
was Saturday, she was 12. So this was day 11 overdue. Um, so they gave me the pessary and that morning. And of course, Jay was hanging around. And I was like, it's one of those things where you can't do anything. They, they won't let you leave because I don't know why, because they tell you that the pessary doesn't start labor, that it's for getting your body ready, softening your cervix and all that. So that when you get the drip the next day, your body is ready for it. And I was like, grand. So it's not going to start labor, but they still won't let you leave. And um, so we're hanging around the hospital all day. Jay left whenever he had to in that evening. Um, I think I did eat dinner um, and then settled down to try and sleep. And it was like excruciatingly hot on the wards. I remember Jay left me with damp face cloths all over my head and around my neck and shoulders to try and keep me cool. But um, I think I had a couple of hours sleep and I woke up with really bad cramps or so I thought at the time um, at about 11 or about midnight and needing to go to the toilet constantly and so I was back and forth a couple of times and you're on a ward with people I, I was on a ward with women who were at different stages of pregnancy some who were kind of maybe only 20-24 weeks who were experiencing different complications I was the only one who was full-term pregnant waiting to go into labour and I've no idea how difficult that was for them knowing that they were in there for different reasons. Um, and I was, of course, doing that very Irish thing of trying to be as quiet as possible. Yeah. Um, I went out into the, one of the times I went out to the bathroom, I found a midwife and I said it to her and she's like, no, 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 that's just cramping. That's not contractions. And of course, me being first time, you're, you, you don't like, eventually you do know what they are like, but you know, at the, the start, you're kind of like, right, well, it's just cramping. If that's what the midwife who knows these things is telling me, because she's like, no, the pessary doesn't start contractions. You're only cramping. Your body's just getting ready and all this kind of stuff. And I kept getting back into bed and I kept lying down. And obviously that made it worse and it was so uncomfortable. So eventually I took myself up and nobody moved me or told me I took myself, you know, that little waiting area in front of the assessment unit. And I sat there. Um, and how I got through those few hours because I asked the same midwife over a couple of hours I was like I you know I'm having contractions She's like no 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 you're not having contractions but I was I was sitting down and every time I feel the wave come on I'd immediately stand up and turn around I found great comfort kind of holding on to the back of the chair with one knee up on the, the seat part of it okay. while I was having the contraction and then sitting back down again and of course that was so I suppose they started about midnight um and I made it back down to the ward kind of about six or seven and I was trying not to be loud to disturb the other women as you do um and by the time they came around for their shift change where you know the groups of them go around to each bed telling each other all the things I was on all fours on the bed um in and out of contractions I remember the women were so good like one the breakfast trolley came in and I was just like oh my god get the food away from me and one of the women she's like do you want me to bring you a cup of tea love and I'm like no I don't need tea I need something what's happening to me here and then like one of the the doctors coming on their shift looked at me and she goes we need to get her a delivery suite and I was like thank the lord somebody is you know coming along and saying you're actually in labor because you're starting to doubt yourself because everybody else is like well no you couldn't possibly be in labor I'm like right and then you're thinking so, oh my god if this is in labor what the hell is down the line? I know I know 
So anyway, poor Jay, I text him then. And it's always a great part because I text him. I said, look, they're getting me a delivery suite. I hope you're on your way to the hospital. And I found out later that my mom and dad had got up. He he had gone to my mom and dad live in Clondalkin. So he had stayed in theirs instead of coming all the way back to Kildare. So he'd be near the hospital. Um, and he had literally just sat down and my dad was making him a fry to set him up for the day because you know that's what happens to the men like they get the well, they're so they well the, after. oh I know they they get the food and because you know they need all the energy <laughs> and like he got the call just as he was about to sit down for breakfast and I was like poor you yeah really poor you I think my dad shoved a few bits into a sandwich and he ate it on the way in the car um, and came in I remember one of the midwives coming to get me to bring me down. And like, what possesses you? I have no idea. Like she gathered up all my bits into the thing. And as we were walking down the ward and then down the corridor to the delivery room, I had to stop every couple of meters to have a contraction. And as we started walking, I was like, oh, here, let me have them. Like, you know, I'll carry them down to the room because I didn't want to be putting this midwife out. They're carrying my bags like well, like what what I have no idea what even possesses you know, like the, the things that go through your head when you're like doing that. But I got down to the ward anyway, or down into the delivery suite, and I was actually raging because I had signed up for the water birth study. Okay. I really wanted to labor in in the birthing pool again, you know, when you're reading up different things about what can help you. And I wasn't dead set on not having an epidural, but I did want to see you know what I could do like it's like if it gets to a point where I need an epidural that's fine but I really want to not have one um so that afterwards I have better mobility and all this kind of stuff um and when I saw that I was in the ward with the or in the delivery room with the water bath I was raging because when you're induced you're not allowed to use it and they tell you they were like you know we, you can do the water birth but only if that room is available and I was like oh, I'll probably won't be available for me and sure then I ended up in it and not able to use it but anyway it's a lovely room nice and big I and was the midwife well. <laughs> yeah the midwife who had just come on shift was actually one of the women who did the you know some of the classes that you can do through the comb now obviously she wouldn't know me but for me it was that kind of nice it was like I recognize your face mm. I liked it, who you were and how you presented yourself on the day I'm comfortable already um and she was so shocked because she was getting ready for somebody to walk into the room who needed an induction for me to walk in perfectly fine no contractions ready to break my waters hook me up to a drip and start from scratch and when I walked in I was having contractions every minute um and she was I could see her she kind of hopped up and she went oh you're not supposed to be in labor and I'm like sorry here I am so anyway she had a look my waters hadn't broken so she asked for permission to do that and I was like right if that's what we do and she said what we're going to do is not she said you're so far along um she's like we're going to try we're going to break your waters and see how you get on she said I'm I'm going to prepare you for a drip but I'm not going to um give you the drip yet which I was happy about mm. um but when she broke my waters like it, it like it ramped up a thousand percent um, from what I was managing and Jay had arrived at this stage and I was on a ball beside the bed trying to lean on the bed and every time a contraction like it was like my body had no time like you know it was dealing with the contractions but when she broke my waters we skipped a few levels um, and I just I was so overwhelmed every time I um, had a contraction and the wave went down and I thought I could take a breather 
it would come much too quickly again for me to be able to handle it. And I turned around to Shane, I was like, I really, I just, I can't do this. And of course, he's like, of course you can do it. He's like, you're just, you know, we're just going to have to use one of the other steps on your plan. And um, so I asked for the epidural then and the anisa came down and <laughs> I like, I don't know whether anybody has ever said this to me before, because they were all laughing me at the time. You know, I, I don't know if you've ever had an epidural when you're, they get you to sit on the bed and round your back as much as possible and tell you to stay as still as possible which obviously terrifies you because you know they're injecting something into your back um, and that they have to be really careful but my contractions were coming so close together and you're trying to bend over a baby-sized belly and I'm like how's I started laughing I was like you're telling me to stay still while I'm having contractions like does anybody actually do that and but anyway he ended up somebody else had to come in and um, it took them three goes to get the epidural which is you know reassuring um but it felt much better after that and that was I suppose about nine or ten o'clock in the morning and for the next few hours I was like living my best life how was, dilated were you when they gave you the epidural not very much um and I okay. think that's why I knew when like even though the contractions were coming hard and fast together that part of it had ramped up but my body physically hadn't opened up enough for those contractions to be worth anything to me. I was still mm-hmm. like only one or two centimeters. So it was much too early for my body to be working that hard to push the baby out. That's what they told me at the time. And, you know, I like I said, I was very comfortable in the room with what they were telling me. Mm. Um, but that they were saying um, that it would be a good few hours before my body would be showing signs of progression. And I was just like, I can't have contractions like this for the next four or five hours. I like, I just knew I couldn't. Um, so happy out then. They had me hooked up to all the monitors um, at the epidural. And, you know, every now and again, I had to get Jay to turn me in the bed. I could feel one leg going numb and the other leg not going numb as the epidural was working its way through my body. So they had to keep flipping me over. Um, Quiva started getting in distress later on in the afternoon. You know, the little things started beeping off. And I was like, you know, trying not to, you know, you're trying to read the room and not panic. Mm. Um, and nobody else is panicking. You don't, like the midwife, I wish I could remember her name. She was brilliant. She was just like, oh, that's grand. Hop up, turn it on, make her notes or whatever. Um, my temperature started going up. Um, and you know, they were keeping an eye on progression, but they at one stage they did do that. Um, they can test the baby. They take a scraping from the baby's head, mm-hmm. which is obviously not the most comfortable thing to have to do for me. Like because obviously the baby is still inside me and um, to try and get readings of blood, something to do with blood levels and oxygen, oxygen blood. And yeah. Um, so they were kind of I could see people starting to kind of float around a couple more people being called in to check and you know second and I remember the midwife one day she goes you know you're seven centimeters seven to eight centimeters dilated she goes no this is going well she said I know this stuff happening and then somebody else came in and checked me he was like you're he said something like you're four centimeters and I could see the midwife behind him her face she was so shocked and I was like, right, well, who do we believe here? Like, surely there can't be that much of a discrepancy. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, how is this so wildly different? 
So in his eyes, I wasn't far enough dilated. The baby was in distress. And I was like, right, we're heading for them to start talking about a C-section at this stage. But the midwife kind of left a little while. And then another consultant came by and she got this consultant to check. And this woman, she was lovely as well. And she was like, sure, eight centimeters dilated. And you could see the midwife. She was just like practically yes (laughs) doing cartwheels going I knew it I knew it I couldn't be wrong like so I don't know what the other one was I felt so bad for her towards the end of the day because she was like we're gonna I'm gonna see this baby born I'm gonna deliver this baby and it was getting towards eight o'clock half eight and I could see all the change of shift stuff happening and the new midwife came and introduced herself and the midwife who'd been with me all day you know, kind of hanging around a little bit because obviously I was getting closer to actually having the baby. And it must be so horrible to spend all day with somebody talking to them about what they want because she was, she because we were lying there for hours, we were talking about so much stuff. She actually gave out to me for not showing her my birth preferences because I didn't, because being induced, I felt like none of my options were on the table then. But she gave out to me because she was like, I get a sense of who you are and what you want and how mm. I can facilitate that as much as possible. So, you know, we did eventually give out, give it to her um, after she gave out to us. So um, I think that's another good reason to have them. Um, so the new midwife came on and she had a look at everything and came fully on shift and she was like, right, we're going to have this baby. She said, you're going to have a baby in half an hour. She was determined. She obviously looked at everything and went, it's now or never and this is going to happen. Now, for some reason, I kind of count myself very lucky with the epidural. You can kind of top it up yourself to a certain extent. But at this stage, it had worn off enough for me to actually be able to feel the contractions, but without much of the pain. And I was really glad about that because it meant I wasn't solely relying on the midwives telling me when to push, Mm. that I did have a certain awareness of what my body was doing. And I really liked that. Um, they did tell me there was a consultant or two in the room and a pediatric doctor had wheeled in a, in one of their kind of, one of their baby beds they can wheel out of the room because she had been in distress um, and they didn't know how much intervention they were going to have to use. So I could see this consultant standing over. They told me who everybody was. I wasn't afraid of anybody in the room or anything like that. But I just knew I remember her face and I didn't focus on her because all I knew was like once she deems this not going the way it should, she is going to jump in there with forceps. And I was like, we're not having that. I was just I was determined that we had made it this far um, and I was going to do it. So when the midwife came in, she was so positive and she was like, you're going to have this baby. Let's go. Um. I wasn't at that stage. I wasn't pushing for very long. I know people talking about being pushing for an hour and all this. I think it was maybe 10 or 15 minutes is my memory of it. It was quite short at that stage. But obviously, my body had been doing a lot of work that I wasn't aware of because of the epidural. Um, And there was at one stage where I gotten so far and I could see the consultant kind of nod. And she went, you guys have got this. And she left the room. And that's when I properly went, we've got this, Mm. because obviously it got to the point where she like, you know, obviously the baby was going to come out. There was one thing that I can remember. um, Obviously, Quiva's head had come out and the midwife said to me, she goes, right, your body's taking a break now. She said, just hold back. She's like, nothing's happening. She's like, do you want to feel her head? And I was just like, 
no, I just want the baby. <laughs> and I remember afterwards, like, I don't have regrets, but I really do wish I had just taken that moment to kind of feel her head. I remember telling Jay and he was so focused on me. I was like, go and look at the baby. I was like, this, this is like amazing. You get to see this. Go and look yeah, at the baby. I know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then I did that stupid thing of she was born then and they lifted her up. And I just looked to Jay and I was like, it's a baby. I was just like, <laughs> you spent nine months being pregnant and yeah. it still like never ceases to amaze me how all of a sudden there's a person just there in front of you. Now, of course, because she'd been in distress and had taken a bit, I think one of the things they had discovered about why she, she had distress, and I always forget this, her head had been tilted. So she wasn't coming out straight. And I think that's probably that was one of the reasons they thought there might need to be intervention. Her head was a bit tilted to the side. Um, but, you know, we worked it out eventually and she was mm. born. They brought her straight over and did all her tests. And my wife was like, oh, we have a red head. And I'm looking at my husband going, I have no idea. Where, <laughs> like, I I think she's our baby. I don't know where the red head came from. And um, they brought her back over. I had a little bit of skin to skin. Um, she did she did latch on. So she, I remember them saying her blood sugar, I think his blood sugar was very mm. low. Um, so they let her stay with me for um, a little while. Um, and I did manage, she obviously got some colostrum because they brought her and they were like, I promise she'll be back in no time at all. We're just going to take her down, do a few extra checks. I don't remember ever being worried about that. I it was just like, so like we had done it she was here there was nothing wrong they were just checking her and that was fine by me and off she went um I did have tears though not hugely bad ones I had two separate ones and unusual uh, the usual kind of perineal tear but yeah. I had one towards the front as well um so I remember the midwife was like right let's see the percent and all was fine don't really remember that and she, she was like, right, well, she said, this is an unusual tear. She said, I'm actually going to get one of the doctors to come down and do this. And again, I was just so kind of, you know, not relieved, but comforted by the fact that they knew what they obviously worked so well as a team that there was no one person that went, I can do everything. I don't need help. She was like, I'm not so certain on this. I haven't seen it before. I'm going to get somebody to do it properly. And I'm like, that's great. This is my vagina we're talking about. Mm. Let's, you know, get the people down here to fix it properly happy days it wasn't a deep tear I was like you know I made sure to look after it very carefully because I was aware they said it was unusual and I wanted to make sure there'd be no long-term effects of it but um and it took quite a while now before she started like I said the epidural had been wearing off just before Quiva was born so they were getting ready to do whatever they needed to do and I was like you can all hold up here a second I said because I've got all my feeling back so they had to give me a local anesthetic which wasn't um sore I don't remember I remember being you know it was a needle it wasn't particularly sore I don't I've no I've no memory of that being painful and um, I do know mm. because time warps at that stage obviously you've got no sense of time I do think they were there for quite a while Um, I think I I was you know bleeding mm. a lot I had just given birth, but also from the tear as well, because they had to keep cleaning me um, for the doctor to be able to see what she was doing. And I do remember when finally they were finished and they transferred me onto the, during the birth, the catheter that they had put in because I had had the epidural had come out, which was grand by me. You know, if that had come out and nobody had noticed, happy days. Um, they transferred me onto the bed to wheel me down. 
Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. To another room. And I just remember that the midwife, she's like, look at me for a second. I was like, what? She's like, we're putting you on this bed. She's like, don't look behind you. She said, don't like you, you've given birth in this room. She's like, don't look behind you. And I remember asking Jay about it afterwards. He was like, there was quite a lot like it, it looked if you'd look back, it probably would have been more shocking okay. than my memory of what it is now. Um, and I think there was, you know, the, I remember they moved the bed sheet. One of the the staff nurse, actually, she was very straightened by the book and was very, let's go. Um, she was calling people in to, to clean down the room and everything. But I remember specifically the, the midwife was like, mm-hmm. she's like, just don't look back. We're going this way. Your baby's down this way. So I think I'm I'm glad for that because, you know, if you see that, you mm-hmm. kind of start wondering, well, what went wrong, even though you're fine afterwards? Um, so I went down to a little room and the tea and toast was there, which <laughs> controversially, I must be the only person in the land who doesn't think it was the best. I was just like, Jay, you better bring me in food tomorrow, this tea and toast, because it was nighttime then. There was no more food. The kitchens were closed. And I was just like, I think I had snack bars or something in my bag um but uh jay did let me eat his so like that i was i was like you were going home to your parents house where they've left you food out i was like i am having your toast that's all there is to it just to get food in my belly and they brought quiva back down she was perfectly fine the midwife was like you know obviously she'd gotten something from the colostrum because her blood sugars were reading absolutely fine um and then they brought me down to a ward and it was lovely because it was six beds but there was only one other woman at it that night um 
and then I think it was about two o'clock in the morning Jay left um to go and try and get some sleep um Mm -hmm. and you're just sitting there with this baby like in the bed but like it was amazing I think that like that part of it because it was like four and a half years ago now I don't remember much of that I know I do know she kind of slept and I probably stared at her more than I should have I probably should have tried to sleep but that's not what you do um I do remember for the few days afterwards wondering to myself where was this tiredness that everybody talked about like you know that but I was just on such an adrenaline high after it all that it was days before I crashed with exhaust I was just so like and part of it is you're mm. kind of like, right, well, I have this human now who, you know, I have to look after constantly 24 seven. Um, but it was amazing. Um, we were supposed to be kept in for a few days because she had been in distress. But the midwife said to me afterwards, she said, the reason that I've been told to monitor she goes, is to monitor. No, we were kept in because my temperature had gone up and obviously they're afraid that there might have been an infection involved. But when we were transferred into the ward, for some reason, it said that Quiva had to be monitored every four hours, temperature checks or whatever. And the midwife was looking after me uh, the next morning. She was like, so you were the one who had the temperature, but we're monitoring the baby. And she just left it out. Obviously, she wasn't going to explain to me what was going on. Um, so we spent that day in hospital and then the next night. But I remember she came to me the next morning. And she was like, how would you feel about going home mm-hmm. today instead of four days time? And I was like, well, that would be fantastic. She said she was going to say it to the doctors when they came around, but she said she could see no reason why Quivic needed to be monitored. Mm-hmm. And I was obviously fine as well. So we got home a couple of days brilliant. earlier yeah. than we thought we would, which was brilliant. Like, um, you know, just home to your own house where you can be comfortable. And like everybody says, that's a surreal moment, you know, when you're mm-hmm. carrying the baby out of the hospital. Like you expect yeah. somebody <laughs> to check your credentials and, you know, that you've you've got all like you've all of a sudden got a certificate of parenting and that you're you know up to the job or whatever but brought her home and sure look at her now she's four and a half years old so will we move on to your next um, pregnancy Luke took a bit longer we decided fairly soon that we want we wanted babies close together um but it took seven months um and I was starting to get a bit worried now that was a stage where I'd gone back to work and you know various things are stressing me out and I remember somebody saying to me you know you're very stressed over a lot of things and I I suppose sometimes I don't set enough store by that I I think I have more recently when I realized the impact that you know different stresses and you know your emotional state can have on you physically but the month after I left work Mm -hmm. I got pregnant um because I just I had nothing you know on my mind anymore I didn't have any stresses um it's also down to, and like, I think it's a huge area at the moment. I didn't know my body as well as I should have. Before Quiva, I was on the pill from when I was like 17, 18, because that was what you did. You went on the pill. Like my my period was a bit erratic. I remember going into the doctor and he's like, sure, you're coming up and you're leaving cert. You don't want that to be happening. You go on the pill. And like, I didn't question it. And it, it really irks me now that like teenage, of course, my period was erratic. I was 17 years old. Um. And part mm. of me is annoyed that 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 just gets thrown you. But then I think there's a lot more awareness now about hormones and cycles um, for girls and women to tap into. I just I'm really against the idea now of just 
throwing hormones at women and saying this will sort you out you have this symptom take this pill and that'll sort it out but aside from my rant about that um because I've been on that for so many years and then got pregnant and then breastfed Quiva and then I had a very short amount of time before I was bringing on Luke I had no idea what my body cycle was so one of the reasons it took longer to get pregnant on Luke was that I was reading my cycle all wrong. It turns out I ovulate earlier than would be the standard. Um, but because I didn't know my body, mm-hmm. I didn't know that was the case like uh, until a few months practice of, you know, reading all the signs. Um, so it did take seven months, which I'm glad for now because I don't know like what there's less than two years between them now. And originally we had planned for that to be shorter. I'm like, how? Hey, what would we do? Yeah, I was just trying to calculate that. I was like, what? There's like, there's less than two years. And someone actually, I spoke to a while ago, they, it took them six months. And she was like, thank God, <laughs> because <laughs> it would have been super close. Ideal plan, as much as you can plan these things, was that I would have been pregnant going back to work. So I knew that I was, you know, was only there for mm. a few more months until I go on maternity leave again. Um, and I like thinking about it now. I'm like, what? Like, how would you even like it it's so close together? But anyway, the your body does what it does maybe for reasons so again um kind of slightly before a little bit sooner before christmas um again fine pregnancy i i think unconsciously i had this idea that it might be a bit easier because i wasn't on my feet all day working um and that i wouldn't be as tired but i was floored for about four months um, I was at home with Quiva and the exhaustion was unreal. Like I remember sitting down to play with her on the playroom floor and, you know, in and out of snoozing. And she, I'd I'd kind of come to and she'd just be happily there playing with her toys and her jigsaw. And I'm like, oh, my God, like I'm falling asleep. And my one year old is here entertaining herself. But I was just so now she was perfectly fine. Like she was we were in the house and she was beside me. I, mm. you know, I wasn't unconscious, but the, I, I remember being so surprised that I was as tired because I wasn't working but it turns out that's just pregnancy for me like you know just get tired um and it was fine um again we were coming into it was 2018 and it's the hottest summer in the world um it was so hot that May and we took the chance before he's born to go down to Bantry for a week and again we just had gorgeous weather um, sat on beaches with Quiva um, before coming back up for June. Um, and my babies obviously just like to be inside me. And I obviously am very comfortable because Luke was overdue as well. Um, mm-hmm. And at the stage, I got to see the consultant at about like that, about just before the 40 weeks. And he was like, no, come back to me in two weeks. He was completely different. He was like, he now he was the head one when you, when you look at, um, the team who come out to nace from the coom he's the doctor the consultant whose name is on all the things that he's the obviously the head consultant man his name completely everybody who listens to this will know what i'm talking about and it was actually him i saw that day and he was like no come back to me in two weeks you're perfectly fine so i went back to him and i was about 41 weeks and saw i got to see him again and he was like right he did all his checks and he's like right because you're coming up to the 10 days overdue he's like i have to book you in um, because that's what we have to do, that's the procedure. But he said, we're going to see you in the hospital over the weekend. And I was like, 
really? How, how do you know that? Like, because I feel no difference. Nothing has happened. There has been no movement, nada, zip, nothing. And he was like, you're going to have this baby at the weekend. I was like, all right, great. Um, so went home and again, like, like you were saying that the team being good, it's like having somebody who is so confident in their experience and their expertise that it nearly makes you relax to the point where you're able to um, just let your body do its thing. And I've heard a few of the, your participants on this talking about that, that, mm. you know, they know something needs to be done and nearly, you know, it stops the labor or, you know, they're, they're not in that place yet because they're too aware of external stuff happening. Um, and I think like, mm. like he was just so sure. And he had booked me in for the Tuesday. And uh, so I went home on the Thursday and the Friday. And my sister lives in London and she had come over. She had taken a couple of weeks holidays to come over and just spend time. Help me with Quiva because I was so pregnant. And but she was great taking Quiva off so I could rest and, you know, helping me get ready and all that kind of stuff. Um, and her partner came over for a couple of days as well. Um, and we were all here. And I think it was the Saturday um, and the, the, my sister and her husband or her partner were going off to do something, give us time as a family, because they knew on the Tuesday I'd be going into hospital at the very latest, having the baby and, you know, everything would change then. They were like, we're going to go off, do a few things, you four. And then Jay was like, I'm going to bring Quiva out to the playground for a walk. Do you want to come with me? And I was just like, I had been feeling weird for a couple of hours. And I was like, do you know what? No, I don't. I think I just I just need to be on my own I felt my memory of it is it's like it was a dream or like I was outside my body looking at myself going you know something's happening here I didn't there was no pains there was no contractions there was nothing mm. I just had this weird feeling that I just needed to sit by myself in a silent house in my really comfy place in the, in the armchair that I love and you know, got a blanket. I think I put something on the telly real low and I just had to be there for a couple of hours by myself. And now I know what that was like, you know, that was my, you know, it was all starting to happen. But at the time it was just so dreamlike. So they all went off and then they all came back after a few hours um, and we got Quiva off to bed. And I just said to Jess, she's like, I was starting to feel twinges and stuff, but I wasn't really saying anything, you know, we were having dinner or whatever. And um, my sister kind of looked at me and she's like, are you okay? And I was just like, I think, I think I'm starting to have contractions. And of course, everybody got very excited. And I was just like, let's, let's all, let's all just, you know, calm down a little bit here. (laughs) We'll see how we go. So eventually went to bed. (laughs) I remember saying to Jay, I was like, I'd suddenly kind of sit up to try and ease him. He was like, what's that? I was like, definitely having contractions now. So he started timing them. And he, he's so funny. Like every time I had a contraction, like then we'd sit back in bed and he was reading his book and I was kind of listening to some music. And every time I had a contraction, then he'd jump up and he'd be like, right, I forgot to put this in the bag. And he was starting, you know, all that where he kept thinking of something else that, you know, he had oh, to do yeah. or whatever. And I was like, right, I'm going to go downstairs because um, I couldn't lie in the bed anymore and I was on the chair and I was like look Queen is asleep and I'm we're doing a lot of moving around so went downstairs and walking around for a couple of hours I don't think he even put on the telly I think I was just happy kind of in that dark kind of you know half light um and they started coming Jay was timing them and I got to about I think maybe two or three o'clock in the morning and I text my sister who, you know, was on her phone and I felt so bad for her because she was flying home to England the next day. 
So we said, look, we're going to head to the hospital. Obviously, we don't have to wait Quiva, but we're going to ring Jay's mom, which is what we had arranged that Quiva would go to Jay's parents. And um, we're going to ring Jay's mom to come and collect Quiva on time so you guys can get organized and go to the airport. She told me afterwards that um, Jay's parents came and collected her. And then she completely broke down in the kitchen because she was just like so upset at having just missed everything. And of course, you know, there's moments like that where you really like you know, she only lives in London, but it could be half a world away at that stage. But um, this has a nice ending for her. We went into the hospital and, of course, the nearer we got to the coom, I said to Jay, we're going to be those people. And he's like, what? And I was like, the contractions are like just dying off. They were, weren't as strong and they weren't coming as frequently. And I was like, we're going to be those people because I had decided they were coming so frequently and getting much stronger. I was like, no, we won't ring the hospital. I'm going to be confident in what my body is doing and we'll head to the hospital. And then, of course, we got there and I looked like that Egypt who turns up, you know, when they're like, no, you need to go home for another three days. Anyway, the midwife, she did the assessment. She said, you are a little bit dilated. Not enough for me to admit you. You need to decide what to do. But I could see in her face she didn't want to make to this to be the one to decide that we should go home because we lived that bit further out. Um, and that kind of gave me pause. I was like, she's not entirely sure that this is going to be as slow as, you know, maybe other people yeah. would be. So she said to us, she's like, look, take a walk around the hospital, sit in the chairs outside the assessment unit. And I remember, you know, walking like everybody does, the laps up and down the stairs and around and coming back and sitting in those chairs and we were exhausted because we hadn't actually had any sleep um obviously and mm. sat down in the chairs and then the contractions really started and I remember poor Jay he was sitting beside me and he told me I was actually falling asleep between contractions because the contraction would start and literally my hand would shoot up and I'd pump him on the shoulder to pull me up and it was like muscle memory from the last time I was there I would turn around hold on to the back of the chair um he at least he was here that by there that time like he was able to do that pressure thing on my back which was just so helpful I'd have the contraction sit back down doze off until the next one came and um, the midwife opened the hatch at one stage and she's like I can hear you having contraction she's like I said I'm going to leave you a little while longer and then bring you in and assess you or whatever so when she brought me in again she like I wasn't far enough along for her to be able to um bring me to a delivery room and she said there is a bed down on the ward she said I'm going to admit you into that so that you can get some rest and I was like grand um so early hours of the morning went down to the ward Jay settled me in and I like had to fight with him to go down to the car and get sleep and he of course didn't want to leave me because I was having contractions very frequently but mm. this is the thing in my head I was just hanging on because this time I was getting the epidural. It went so well last time that I was happy out. I was like, give me that epidural. I know it can't go exactly like it did on Quiva, but happy out. Don't need to go through contractions. All I need to do is hang on to the delivery suite, tell them the anaesthetist to meet me there. And that's all I need to hang on for. And I told Jay, I was like, you need to go and get a couple of hours sleep because one of us needs to at least be half awake in there. I'm going to need you to support me. So eventually I convinced mm. them, I think it was around six o'clock. And I was like, just come back up for the ship changes and then they'll check me then. And, you know, might be ready for a delivery suite at that stage. So reluctantly, I have to say on his behalf, because he doesn't ever want anybody to think that he abandoned me in the middle of, you know, my contractions. But I was like, you need to go mm -hmm. and get rest. Um, 
I was like, bar you lying up on the bed while I have contractions, you know, and going to sleep. I was like, that's going to look really bad. I was like, go down to the car, get a couple of hours sleep. Um, and I re- remember, again, I was in a ward of women who were waiting to go on their C-sections. And this time I decided not to be polite. I was like full blown contractions. Um, I gave up trying to, I was kind of sitting on the side of the bed to rest and kind of leaning on the pillow, but with my legs kind of off the bed so I could stand up. Because every time I felt the contraction come up, I'd stand up. And luckily my bed was beside a window. And I remember it vividly. There was one of those old radiators and how it's still on the wall. I don't know, because that's what I leveraged against was the the radiator really strong contractions and I think earlier on I was talking about regrets this is actually one of my regrets I wish I knew what I was doing at the time because I was in full labor but in my head at that moment I was still waiting just to get to the delivery suite for an epidural I didn't realize at the time how far along I had worked and gotten to so they were coming really hard and fast. And there was a young midwife coming in every now and again. And that's awful to say that she was young. She kept asking me, did I feel like I needed to push? And I was just like, is that not what I'm doing? And that made me doubt myself because I went, if my body language isn't portraying that enough to a midwife for her to think that's what I'm doing, then maybe that's not what I'm doing. Maybe I'm like, you know, this isn't it yet, which is why I was like, I need the epidural because this is just, you know, it was yeah. like, we all know what contractions feel like. They're strong, they are intense. And without knowing how long you have to do them for, they can be extremely difficult. Like, and again, I wish I knew what I was doing at the time. Jay came back up then and, uh, they had had the shift change and he was frustrated because he came in and saw how frequent they were. But because of the shift change, he couldn't find a midwife. He was up and down the ward and obviously they were in doing their changes, whatever they do. And um, one came down, had a look in and she's like, I'll get someone else. And I could see it on his face. He was extremely frustrated that he couldn't find somebody. Um, and then eventually one of the new ones came on and she was like, um, right, she said, get ready for a delivery suite. I'm going to go down and see what one's free. And off she went again. So I said, Joe was like, you need to get me changed out of my pajamas into my nightdress. And uh, he did that. And I was standing up again. And you know the way they say it's not like in the movies when your waters break. Well, my moment of fame Mm. is that I was totally like the movies. Jay changed me into my nightdress. My waters broke Mm -hmm. and they broke. Like it was like resounding my waters are broken all over the floor sound effects the whole lot Hollywood moments and and the thing I Mm -hmm. said to Jay was is my nightdress wet because I don't have a second one and I have to go down and lie in this because I'm getting an epidural and I'm going to be there for hours and now I've no clothes to wear and he was like stop worrying about your nightdress so a midwife came back then and she said to me hop up there on the bed and of course I laughed at her I was like, hop up on the bed. Great. Right. So finally, you know, managed to get myself up on the bed. She checked me and she was like, all right, there's the baby's head. And I was like, yes. I was like, huh? And she was like, and then all hell broke. Not not in a bad way, but she grabbed whatever she told somebody to go get something. She was whipping gloves out, putting them on her hand. She's like, right, we're going to have this baby here. And I was like, no, no, we're not. I'm going to get an epidural. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm like, I, that's where I'm going to that land where there's an epidural. And she um, was looking at me. And at the same time, somebody pulled out whatever kind. They obviously have a kind of a, a, a portable giving birth kit yeah. if you're not in the room. Somebody was starting to pull that out. And another midwife rang it, ran in and she's like, no, 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 we have a room. And the other poor women, it was a real awkward room. It wasn't a normal ward. It was kind of in a corner. All their curtains, they were all sitting having their breakfast. All their curtains were thing. My The sides of my beds were slammed up. I just remember the noises. I remember looking at Jay and he was in a bit of shock and they were wheeling me out of the room and I could hear one of them shout like, you know, for other people to get out of the way. Somebody, a porter, somebody was pushing something like a a laundry thing and he didn't move quick enough. We crashed into that. The midwife was like literally kind of holding my legs saying, you know, and I was like, just that, you know, doesn't seem quite right that, you know, you just close your legs, that nothing happens. I didn't realize how fast we were going until I kind of looked behind me to see, you know, if my husband was with me and he was running full tilt around after the bed. And I was like, oh, we're actually going somewhere really fast. So got to whatever free delivery room they had. Of course, whatever midwives were on duty, they came in then. Don't know their names. I'm pretty sure they might have told me, but I saw them for all of 15 minutes. We they wheeled me in beside the bed that was in the room. And my first thing was like, I can't get onto that bed. I knew like I couldn't, I wasn't moving. Um, and at that stage, they checked me like, everything is fine. But like, you need to not push. He was coming too fast um, for their liking. So they're like, you need to not push. So um, the, there was one midwife kind of hold my hand. Jay was holding my other hand. And I feel so bad about this afterwards. I was like, you need to let go of my hand. Because I needed to hold on to the bed. I remember thinking I need to hold on to something that I know is not going to move. And as strong as Jay is, is, he's not going to give me that leverage that I need to do this. I remember looking at the midwife's face and she was like, just, she's like, just doing this really slow breathing. She's like, just don't push. She said, just for 30 seconds, just don't push. And there was two midwives down the other end doing whatever they needed to do and then pushed. And then he was there. And like, I've never, like I was in, shock in like a good way and they were like look at him look at him he was born and he still had the the membrane over his head um and he just looked so serene like we were in the middle of a whirlwind like we were so shocked and he was just asleep just being born coming out so fast and just he was just it, like so calm and serene I remember looking at Jay and I like you know I was like you know what is it like and he was like it's a boy and we said his name we were undecided between two names but like that I was like oh my god it's Luke um, and you know they tore open the things really gently and I really like the way that even though it happened so fast and we all felt in a bit of a whirlwind that when they were there with him at the end of the bed they were just they changed tack so quickly they were so calm and so gentle and you know breaking open the sack so he could take mm-hmm. his first breath and all did that really slowly so that I suppose to give him as much of a chance you know to acclimatize and all that kind of stuff and then he was on me straight away and like that was it like we were just in shock I remember comparing his birth notes to Quiva's of course she had pages we were there for what the 12-14 hours and the constant checks and all this kind of stuff Luke's ones are 15 minutes long and there's barely any entries because they obviously don't take them like there was nobody monitoring me um, and we were only in a delivery suite for 15 minutes. Um, but 
I was so glad then that I hadn't had the epidural because I was with Luke for a couple of hours and we were in a room that had like a shower um and I just I felt the difference I remember I think the difference for me between having the epidural is like I didn't feel as tired afterwards I felt much more like I could walk after having Quiva um the epidural like didn't stop me walking for a while afterwards like you know I was able it had worn off that I could get up and walk around but with Luke like I I felt I could have done anything like I went in and I showered and I came back out and Jay was just looking at me he's like how are you doing that I was like he's like you've just birthed a baby and I was like I don't like I just I feel completely different um um so we were in that day and for one night and I went home the next day um it was all perfectly fine. Of course, all the phone calls were made and mom and dad were in America. My sister, this is the happy part of the story. I remember because Jay had the the past that he could come in pretty much any time. And I said to Orla, I was like, I knew what time her flight was. And I was like, meet Jay in the lobby. He will give you his pass. You don't have to wait for visitors hours and come oh, up yeah. and see the baby <laughs> on your way to the airport. So she got in to see him like he was literally like hours oh, old or was he? no yeah so he's literally hours old and she came up and saw him before going and flying home so I was glad mm. she got that rather than flying home and you know not coming home until another few weeks later so that was nice for her um but uh I do remember like I was saying about regretting not knowing what I was doing at the time because if I had known I was doing it it would have been so fantastic to know that you were doing it. Whereas in my head, I was in my place of like, oh my God, this is what it's like now. I do need an epidural because I had no idea because nobody had been checking me to see how dilated I was. So I just, I I didn't know where I was on, on the, the scale. Um, and I think I spent a little bit of time kind of subconsciously being annoyed about that. And I remember going for his two week check um, down at our doctor's. It's two yeah. weeks, isn't it? Do you go with two weeks? Yeah. Um, and she was doing all the checks and we have an amazing nurse down in our practice um, who's done all their vaccinations and she's great for, you know, my checkups and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> and I remember saying, obviously, you know, you want to talk about these. I remember saying to her, she kind of just smiling. And she was like, how about you think of it this way? She was like, it was a good thing that you were on your own. She said, think of how much you instinctively like you know did everything that you felt you should have she said you you stood up you you got into the position that you need to be and she said and that meant like you you were in the place now like I said I wish I'd known that's what I was doing but it made me um realize it made me realize that um that she was right like if they had kept interrupting me or you know had somebody had checked me sooner I might like you know I might have you know had intervention or you know something but it like I was just much more calm after that than when she said that she was like you know they might not intentionally have left yeah. you on your own but you you did you because of that by default you were able to naturally do the majority of it yourself and I was like oh well I suppose that's a good thing like um, um and I suppose that doesn't happen mm. too often in hospitals it was just a you know a combination of being there overnight shift change you know, like I said, that midwife kind of maybe not reading my body signs the way another midwife might have read them. Um, I'm not sure, but um, like it, it was a great thing. I just I wish I'd been aware of it at the time. Um, 
like of what I was doing instead of just waiting for something else to happen it sounds um, really animalistic for the uh, start like you went into a really quiet space at home <sighs> you, you know that was you yeah. were drawn to do that so the whole thing's like you just really yeah. your body kind of took over yeah yeah and I think one of the things like about kind of being on social media and Instagram and aware of people like you and doulas and all the supports out there for a variety of ways to you know um go through your pregnancy and give birth um, I kind of wish I had been on Instagram and aware mm. of all that, not Instagram specifically, but aware of all that beforehand, um, because, you know, you, I just wasn't aware of, um, you know, home births or how, you know, common they were. Um, I'm not sure if I would have had one, but I definitely would have, you know, probably done more classes or, or things that would have led towards more natural births so that I would have been um more prepared for it um and I just think there's so much fabulous resources mm. out there for women now and you just have to be in the right place to try and find them I suppose um and it's something I'd be much more open to I don't know how Jay would feel about a home birth um he would definitely have concerns around the whole idea of you know if something went wrong and what would you do and having everything in place um but I do kind of like the idea of it but like you know I came close they left me alone in a, ho- in a hospital um and like it was a shock at the time but it's a nice memory now to know that uh that it happened that way yeah. like um and of course they they've been pushed down like an emerge like you know down a ward with people shouting at other people to go out of the way I mean that's a bit surreal but you know that's how fast he was he it was sounds coming. like you you um, um you weren't in a panic though it sounds like you didn't get yourself stressed no 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 I no I wasn't I think I was like like that nurse said I was just aware of how I should mm. move um and what position I very quickly knew what position I needed to be in like it was very much kind of standing leaning like even kind of being on my knees didn't help um but standing leaning against something with Jay kind of you know being the opposite mm. force um really helped like because it was one stage I think did he try rubbing my shoulders and I was like get off me don't I was like don't touch me what are you doing and then uh but when I was doing that I was kind of nearly the opposite because then he was like well what will I do I was like just push against the bottom of my back yeah. you know that, that nice sweet spot where they put and I was just like just do that um but um yeah I was never really panicked it, like I said it was just more surprise like when I got up in the bed and she wasn't like, oh, you're this much dilated. She like, she, she didn't even touch me. I was just, you know, you, you lie up on the bed, you get ready for her. And she looked down and she's like, there's the baby's head. And I'm like, no, that's not what's happening right now. Um, and just, yeah. And just then he was there and like that, just the shock he was born. And we were like, what? And of course everybody else was shocked because Jay had texted both their parents to say, we're going into hospital and, his mom collected uh, Quiva and they were talking, you know, have you heard from the ethnic? They were like, I know it'll probably be all day. Like, you know, she only went into hospital. And then the next thing, like Jay literally rang and went, we had mm-hmm. a baby boy. And they're like, huh? Say what now? You've, you've had a baby. So two very different experiences. Very different, yeah. Like, yeah, but both in the hospital. Um, but yeah, it's very, very different. Um, yeah, I'm glad I kind of had both sides of it. Like, and I, th- I think when like, you know, when you're listening to stories when you're pregnant the first time that your um your experience is never going to be like anybody else. It's good to have the stories, but it's good to be aware that you're going to do it your own mm-hmm. way. 
And then I remember when I got pregnant the second time, constantly reminding myself that it was not going to be the same because how could it possibly be the same? So even for women to realize that their own births are going to be so different from each other. Um, But yes, so that's it. I have talked for a long time. Good luck editing that. No, we talked for ages before. Cool. Thank you so much. That was lovely. I contacted you. Um, And like I said, it's something I haven't talked about in ages, but like I'm a few years out from it now, but it's still something you think about because it was such a short period of time, but you just, you're a different person afterwards. Like you just, it, it just, it's an experience that changes you completely. Just going through it, never mind having the baby afterwards, but just ha- going through that, like what your body can do and is capable of is kind of really eye opening. Um, but getting to talk about it is fantastic. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to share your story, you're more than welcome to. You can get in touch via Instagram at Ireland's Birth Stories or you can reach out over the website irelandsbirthstories.ie. I look forward to bringing you another episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.